This is Abnormal Entertainment. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. You're listening to the No Cry Zone, a progressive political podcast on the Abnormal Entertainment Network, live from Blue Frog Books in Howell, Michigan, the belly of the beast. Welcome, everyone, to the No Cry Zone. I'm David Hayes here with John Arking and Rob Vidro, and we are talking about all things political. Welcome, fellas. Wait. This is a political podcast? Yes. I will have none of that. That's... <laughs> We're talking about all things think... of hydrogenated, <laughs> saturated fats today. Thank you. That, that's what I can talk to you on. <laughs> Speaking of hydrogenated fats, John Boehner. Boom, boom. Thank you. <laughs> Gone soon, but um, resigning himself uh, right after the Pope's speech to Congress. Right. Uh, the Pope came in. Uh, had a papal visit, <laughs> and he did a papal smear on the Republicans. <laughs> Dad, waka. Now who needs the rim shot? Waka, waka. <laughs> he was definitely not happy there. <laughs> no, he wasn't happy. Um, and uh, I, I, I like, before we get into to, um, the Bannergate, uh, the papal visit came first, and uh, Shep Smith from Fox News had some interesting, not really right-wing nutjob things to say about this papal visit. And he uh, mentioned that the Pope talked about um, uh, environment, our issues are our, our man-made destruction of the environment, about accepting refugees, and uh, a couple of other items, of course. They didn't hear any of that. No, they didn't. But the Fox guys said they... they, they they, uh, they came on there and said that, that the Pope is politicizing items. And Shep Smith, who was a Fox News uh, analyst, just fell apart. He's like, when did this become political? When did helping people become political? Mm-hmm. When did the environment become political? You know, it's, it's our environment. We've got to preserve it. And it was way out of character. Right. Well, Shep Smith is... There's been times when he's shown some for Fox. flashes of uh, actual humanity. Um, but I mean, for him to say that, I would say, well, so on the environment, when did the environment become political? When the GOP politicized it, that's when it became political. So to stand there and go, how did this happen? Yeah, it's uh, 176 billion or 176 million dollars in the last 10 years to Republicans to make sure that the climate is not an issue and that we're throwing snowballs at the Speaker of the House and doing things like that to make sure. <laughs> right. Snowballs at the Speaker of the right. House. To make oh. sure that we all think that there's everything's just fine. No, you, they, they uh, really brought there? in snow to the floor of the House. Yep. I mean, you know, there's I, snow. There's no global warming. You're like, I, I can't even Can you imagine the meeting for that? <laughs> what are we going to do to really make sure that America gets this point? Well, the first thing we have to do... Is make sure that that snowman doesn't go anywhere near a greenhouse. Because <laughs> then the magic hat will just float away. Yeah. It's, uh, it is truly something. Um, well, when I said before that they didn't um, listen to what he had to say, they only heard what they wanted to hear when I was right. talking about the, the GOP. So when he talked about that all life is sacred, when he talked their stuff, uh, suddenly they're like, oh, oh, well, this this. What a great words of the Pope, and what he means to say is defund Planned Parenthood now. And you're like, I don't think that's what he said. Um, and of course, they want to ignore everything else that he said. 
Right, and it's amazing um, because if uh, if the the GOP were truly a, a conservative party, a, a moderately conservative party that was reasonable, they would have a huge part of the Hispanic vote because mm-hmm. most Hispanics are Catholic. The Catholic is ostensibly uh, um, Catholicism is pretty conservative mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to things, and that would that would be a tie turner. That would that would change the political landscape of this entire country. Well, and we talked about this last time, that uh, this is the GOP completely ignoring uh, the demographics around them. They they themselves acknowledged after 2012 that they had absolutely, uh, you know, inflicted a, a, a fatal wound on themselves politically in that election by turning away Hispanics and that they had to reverse that. So not only did they need to not turn them away, they needed to bring them in and... Everything they've done in the three years since then is completely keep them turned away. Well, they tried to bring them in by offering them little tips in the <laughs> yeah, hotel, right. like, like John Kasich. Um, or saying that uh, all immigrants are rapists and murderers, like, you know, number one, Mr. Trump. He's assuming that some of them are good. Don't forget. Right. Oh, yes. he, he's assuming some of them are good. Some of them are really good at raping yeah. and murdering. <laughs> so. Like, the best. Right. So, as you can <laughs> say, you know, and when, when uh, you know, Telemundo... Uh, you know, one of the biggest <laughs> networks in, in Latin America. Uh, you know, first of all, they dump, they dump, uh, hello, they dump Trump's, you know, uh, uh, pageant yeah. from their from their network, and then they openly disassociate disassociate themselves. And then he goes as far as to throw one of their leading anchors, their their Tom Brokaw. You know, they he throws him out of the press conference. Multi time Emmy winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. This does nothing to reassure or even, you know, placate uh, Hispanics that this party is serious about listening to their issues right. and taking and taking them seriously. Despite the presence of Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio. Right. You would think that that would be a good sign. Um, Ted Cruz, I, you know, I almost just feel like the, the name is just accidental. The, the Ted part. Yeah. <laughs> we know that already. Right. <laughs> the Rafael Cruz. Yeah. Uh, I think Rubio is still, I think, is still a contender oh, in yeah, there totally. for, for doing that. And I think he's wisely just trying to stay out of all this crap. He's the Well, he's the one that hasn't come out against immigration. Right. Period. He's the one. But he hasn't come out and, and said, here's my plan. Now, he'll have a time when he'll need to do that if right. he truly wants to. Uh, to do that, but and it'll probably be, you know, I'm sure his strategy. They all have crafted some strategy that's going to get them the nomination. Um, his would be, and I think any GOP candidate, the way it's currently set up, after they win the nomination, <laughs> yeah. he can roll out his plan right. because that's a plan that appeals to mainstream America. It does not appeal to the right. Right, and I think he's his the best plan that he has right now, and he's the really pretty much the only one doing this is not being offensive right he doesn't go on offense he doesn't go on defense he just exists he doesn't you know he yeah. doesn't spar you know he, he uh, uh trump called him uh what did he call him the other day uh some other time so he, he's there's so up. many things trump calls trump, people trump that called I, rubio uh, uh stupid or something like right. that and he just didn't pick up on it didn't try to you know out cruise himself mm-hmm. no no kim davis <laughs> rallies and that's probably what you have to do in this race is you have to hold back 
and and wait for the the clowns to fall away. If you have the the, the HP lady is now falling apart. Oh yeah. Oh well. Uh, without <laughs> without fail. The HP lady. The HP lady. <laughs> Carly Fiorina. Yeah. yeah. She, she insisted uh, there was videos was, like the Hostel movie yeah. of fetuses being torn apart. Well, <laughs> that is you know the, the funny thing about that is is that it has. Um, Completely turned into its own story. She was describing a video of something that she said she saw, in which doesn't exist, mm-hmm. and everyone that's rational ex- agrees this video does not uh, exist. And yet now it's taken on a life of its own. Now you've got members of Congress that are calling for an investigation because this video exists. You're like, it does not even exist. What are you talking about? Yeah. And so th- the lie is. It doesn't matter. I mean, right. there's, it does not matter that that it's a lie. And, and even when <clears throat> uh, you know the political experts or whatever would be able should be able to look at it and go, okay, this is a loser issue because this video doesn't exist. But instead, in this up is down, left is right political world that we live in, they look at it and they go, who cares? The facts don't matter. Who cares? It's great. The people that are loving it. Our, mm-hmm. our base is eating it up. Go with a it. Bandwagon it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, now this is this is something that's going to be unique to this election cycle. That video can exist. Someone with uh, no. enough technical savvy could create this video and make it look really, really, really good. Yeah. Well, they they certainly could, and you know what they what she was describing was what was being described in the video, and then of course she took it to an illogical extreme, right. and then made it sound like there was a video of that this she saw. that she saw, which of course she did not, which is. The, the the great Trump answer. Someone told me. Someone told me. <laughs> well, I wonder if Carly Fiorina also posted on her Facebook wall that uh, you know, due to all copyright laws and the Rome statute, uh, <laughs> no one could steal any of her pictures. Uh, you know, I don't know if this week no. that's been a, a thing. It's been a thing. You know, where again, and and the only reason I mention that is is because it's that type of thinking that is exactly what we're talking about here. Because what I was seeing with people that were in my Facebook feed were saying, I don't know if this is true. It probably isn't, but I'm going to post it anyway. And you go, oh, my, what are you doing? Yeah. And it's the same thing with these videos. It's the same thing as the guy that has the, the uh, Star of David, the cross, you know, all around his neck for that end day when I don't know which one's right. Right. <laughs> Just ready. But I'm betting them all. Right. right. <laughs> now, here's my question is, if these videos would have come out against the Republicans, can you... Name one Democrat that would have went this crazy, let alone the whole party, go crazy over a obviously doctored and clipped video. So Alan, let's Alan Gray. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> he probably was, he would have jumped on it and maybe know, perhaps funded but, the feature film version. But he would have been he would have been the exception and not the rule. Oh yeah, totally. You know, totally. Um, Everybody else would have just calmly went, oh, well, That's we got to look into that. But, boy, those videos suck. Our friends <laughs> across the aisle, they're mistaken. Yep. This didn't really happen. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I think the equivalent might be uh, if, if, say, videos came out of a top Republican strategists or top Republican politicians uh, uh, discussing that they know climate change is real, they know global warming is real, but how can we, mm-hmm. how can we, you know, cast out into that? Or the Here's Romney something. video went pretty viral. Yeah, was, yeah the 47%. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, the Romney but video. But I think Fox was the first to run that. With the wrong interpretation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, they, they, they ran that video, and of course, they, the way they look at things is always, you know, very interesting. Um, which, you know, it's funny because just this week the Wall Street Journal ran an article about Bernie Sanders. And they talked about how Bernie Sanders 
financial plan uh, <clears throat> was using um, a study uh, from Gerald Friedman, a professor of economics at uh, University of Massachusetts at Amherst. And according to this Wall Street Journal article, they said, oh, well, you know, if Bernie Sanders' economic plan was put into place, it would cost the nation $18 trillion. And um, so what happened was this guy named Gerald Friedman, a professor of economics at the University of Massachusetts Amherst who made the study, then wrote to the Wall Street Journal and said, hey, asshats, you need to read the whole study because it actually shows that you will save $5 trillion. Yes, it will cost $18 trillion. You will save $5 trillion by the end of those those 10 years. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you have organizations like the Wall Street Journal and others who line up to, um, it, you know, it's all about how you pitch it. And they want to pitch certain, they, they it looks right. Oh, they're citing a study. Oh, I, I understand mm-hmm. all this. Um, <clears throat> so it all looks good, but it's all in the interpretation. So mm-hmm. as with, um, uh, you know, like Romney's video from 2012, it's how you interpret that video. I think most of us watched that video and were like, what the? What a jerk. What a jerk. <laughs> exactly. And I think they live in a bubble that they don't see that. Right. And, well, the, the bubble is, pre- and just to be fair, the Wall Street Journal is a Murdoch-owned yep. of uh, course. piece, like Fox News. And, uh, but uh, the, we, we saw that bubble. We saw that bubble in the 2012 elections when Karl Rove couldn't accept well, right. that Mitt Romney had not won. Yep. Had to a, go back and check check again. A complete meltdown. <laughs> yeah, a complete ideological meltdown, and we're gonna we're seeing that happen over and over and over again. And I think to bring a circle back here, that's what happened to Boehner. Boehner Boehner is a, a good Catholic. He he's always said he was. He a religious man. Grew up an altar boy. Grew up an altar yeah. boy. Um, openly weeping when anyone walks by, but especially the Pope. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he. It's interesting that the papal visit happens. He had a lot of finger wagging at Republicans and politicizing things and doing not what's right for humanity. And the next day, crisis of conscience, maybe? Mm. He lets it go. Then comes out with the uh, the beginnings of the tell-alls, mm-hmm. which I think are going to be persistent yes. as we move through. He has cycle. a lot of people that and his he... finger wagging at Cruz was... In there as well, and okay. and and well deserved, yeah. uh, to say the least. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there maybe is an element of a crisis, a uh, crisis of conscience. I don't think it's the sole thing, and I think there is a bit of uh, the the element of a politician in there, in the sense of, first of all, he saw a government shutdown looming, that it was coming over Planned Parenthood, um, and I don't think he wanted to be any. He just he just did not want to try and keep that coalition together and go through another government again. shutdown again. Yeah. I think it was. No, I wanted no part of that. This would be the third in his term. You know. So by saying that I'm going to resign early, but it's going to be six weeks from now, um, you know, it it releases him from the responsibility of leading this party, of keeping this coalition together. And it does free him to go across the aisle openly and ask for Democratic votes to prevent a shutdown, are which he now, could not do before. Are we now in the land of give no fucks with John Boehner? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Which is going to be interesting. Yeah, It's going to be very it, interesting. It will bring out his true colors. That, that's what I've always wondered about him, is where he really stands on the issues. It seemed like he was a puppet. He, we know where he grew up. In the Midwest, basically the same area that, that we're in, you mm-hmm. know, right along there, that Rust Belt. Sure. Um, the, the values, and I don't see how any rational person, how anyone rational could accept 
the, the GOP platforms on many different things, mm -hmm. um, like the Syrian refugees. That that kills me. Mm -hmm. It kills me. When when did we become the country of no no we don't have enough room. No, I, I, in the last, you know, 20, 30 years, frankly. And actually, I wouldn't even want to go back 30 years. It's funny because um, the last time there was a, you know, immigration reform, it was by um, some guy named um, Ronald Reagan, uh, who, you know, St. Reagan, as he's known in, in the Republican Party. And so even... A common sense thing like, okay, the system's broken. How do we reform it? We got to make it work. Um, you can't even talk. You can't even have a discussion, much less come to any kind of solution, because they don't want a solution. Yeah. They want to stick in their xenophobia. They want to stay there with it. They don't. They just. It's just. It feels good to hate people. It just feels good, and they don't want to change. Is it the villain theory? Uh, meaning, uh, we can only feel good about ourselves yeah. if we have a villain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I watched one on 9-11 last night, and that was, uh, we made them up so we could have this because they saw this coming. They needed to have a villain. They, we mm -hmm. had no more Russia. We had no more, you know. Well, we, just wait a few years and mm -hmm. Russia's back. Yeah, Russia's back. Uh, <laughs> they never really left. They just got quieter. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, someone be in control. <laughs> control, I'm air quoting, yeah. for yeah. a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, again, back to the immigration thing. It's interesting. There was a, a, a British politician, I'm not quite sure it was, but was saying, was talking about how, because a lot of these you know, immigrants, they want to make it to various places in, in Europe, mainly Germany, because Germany has very generous benefits, but also economic opportunity. They also want to come to the U.K., and um, <clears throat> there was this British politician who, was, who basically was saying, you know, the very notion of, looking at these refugees we need to look at them as an opportunity and not a threat yeah um and that you know that this there is opportunity to be made people that are willing to walk mm -hmm. from literally walk okay yeah. they didn't get an uber car <laughs> no. they didn't hop on a train they walked <laughs> uh from the middle east to wherever they can get i mean these are desperate desperate people and they're mm -hmm. they're hungry for a productive safe life and that this is an opportunity to be to be, you know, grabbed at. And I still am just constantly amazed at the political landscape in this country, even amongst Democrats, who are gun-shy of saying, we need to not build a wall. We need, to, we need to open up the border in the sense of saying, we need to really welcome anyone that wants to come to this country Stop it with these artificial quotas. Mm -hmm. um, but you know what? The opportunity is is you can get them at the border. If you say, look, you, you don't cross on the Rio Grande. You, you cross at one of our crossing stations. You're welcome. Come in. We want, we're going to photograph you. We're going to take fingerprints. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to get a card. You're going to get a process and maybe a 10-year process to citizenship. But we're going to know who you are and where you are. Welcome to America. Move on. Um, because they're going to come anyway. I mean, this is this is the thing. When you say that, people go, oh, that's outrageous that you would say that. Look, they're going to come anyway. Their life is shit where they're living. And if yeah, you have it's kids... It's over if, where they are. Exactly. Yeah. If you have kids, you're going to do whatever you have to do to make sure that that kid can, I don't know, eat. Mm -hmm. um, and you're, you're going to cross the river. You're going to cross a desert to make that happen. So they're going to come one way or the other. And building this wall is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I've lived, I lived in Arizona for a decade, and the immigration uh, rhetoric is much louder there. Yes. The problem 
is not a problem. It really isn't. It, there's, there's. I have yet to meet one, you know, uh, able working white guy who wishes to work who had a job taken away, right, by uh, an, an illegal Mexican. Um, I have, you know, seen reports and, and seen what, you know, some illegal Mexican criminals have, you know, committed crimes mm-hmm. far less than the illegal citizen criminals we have here. But again, it's not this huge problem that everyone thinks it is, and I think that's a, that, that's uh, uh, another case of making this villain. You know, we, ha- we have to have these villains. They're the brown people. They're bringing... What, what was it when the... Uh, uh, was the... Uh, not Ecuadorian. Um, gosh. Salvadorian? The Salvadorians were, were walking right. up, and they had, mm. they had disease blankets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just like the Indians. Just like the ones we gave the Native Americans. They're coming back with them. They learned. Like, what is wrong? Wow. H1N1. They all have H1N1. What? You know what? And again, I will go back to the... <laughs> the Facebook idiocy of people posting something they don't know it probably isn't true, but I'm just going to post it anyway, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not going to take the five seconds to see if this is true, true or not, or yeah. read the article, you know, or read the article, or, much yeah. less uh, to get that information out there. And um, you know, it's it, you, you talk about the 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 the, alt, the the misperceptions. You know, again, we if you poll people. And you ask them about crime in America, they will say that crime is up. It's the highest it's ever been. This is an unsafe country. Well, the statistics show that you are incorrect. Yep. It's right. actually at a 20-year low. It's the lowest it's been mm-hmm. since the 1960s, I believe. And the FBI has that on file. Yeah, so, I mean, these are yeah. statistics. Yeah, these are the numbers. UCR from the FBI. You know, it right absolutely does not bear out that, that thought. It, again, look at police shootings. The, the killing of cops, the killing of cops is at low. Mm-hmm. It's, at, it's the, the low point. The killing of civilians by police is actually at a high. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two things are reversed. And again, that's not to endorse the, you know, yeah. the, the killing <laughs> or, or disrespect of police. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. no. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, it, it, again, it, these, these commonly held perceptions are just simply not backed up by fact. And so right. fact, it, it, it doesn't matter how much fact you throw it. And again, global warming. Um, the whole notion of calling it climate change, this was a bromide that was thrown on as a political compromise to not call it what it is. It is global warming. Climate change, just it's nicer. Yeah, it feels nicer. Good. It could be going either way. It could be, I don't know. Who knows? It's just changing. Yeah. Global warming is a definitive you know, term. It, it defines what's happening. The planet is warming, and all the consequences that go with that are part of it. And you could throw all the data you want at it as long as you have one jerk-off, quote-unquote, scientist who's completely in the pay of Exxon going, well, maybe not. (laughs) Oh, see, there it's not. This can be interpreted. And the models are so complex that anybody can go along there and go, well, what about that? Data what? point. Well, there, you, you know, know. the interesting thing. Okay, so people look at um, look at the you know we're in the Great Lakes region. Uh, Great Lakes experienced uh, uh, you know uh, lows in the lake levels for a number of years through mm-hmm. the '90s, and they're back up again. And it, during during that period, the the low water period, um, there had been the suggestion that well, this is part of global warming. You know, the planet's warming and the water's you know evaporating, and therefore thus and so. So now that the lake levels are back up. People immediately use it as a repudiation of global warming. Oh, see, global warming is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Um, and you say, well, no, actually, the supposition that the lake levels were lower was completely connected. That was an incorrect mm-hmm. supposition. It has nothing to do necessarily with global warming. There's, there's, 
many reasons. This is a very complicated planet. So when you talk mm-hmm. about climatology, yeah. um, it's extremely complicated to look at that. And the models that we use for meteorology are completely different than what we use for climatology. And the mm-hmm. difference between the two, most people do not understand. Predicting the weather next Wednesday is much different than predicting a long-term global cycle over a 50-year period, right. where you're going to have ups and downs, but generally the numbers are going up. So when you bring in statistics and you bring in numbers, this is where people fade out. Their eyes glass over, um, or they're easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. People can easily use these numbers the way that they want to. And because people generally, the general populace, is not good at math, we disdain math. If you right. if you like math, you're a nerd. Yeah. And so if you don't understand math, then you, you can't understand what these statistics mean, even on a very basic level. So this goes back to our educational system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my point is, is five clicks in five pictures, you can see the changes. Uh, it's all out there. Right. Our, our whole population is now a skeptic. And they say, oh, well, that must have been faked, or it's just sure. like these videos, they're, they're working it for the other side. Um, and we're all going to just burn to a crisp. Yeah. We just don't get it. It's, it's in our best interest to at least well, know, check out this problem. <laughs> there's a great, I saw a sculpture, a uh, picture of a sculpture in Germany, and it was called Politicians Debating Climate Science. And it was 10 or 12 life-sized statues of politicians like they're on the floor of some legislative mm-hmm. body and the water is up to their necks. <laughs> and, you know, some of them are have their arms yeah. above and they're holding papers and yeah. they're arguing with each other. And I was like, it was a brilliant, brilliant piece of art. Yeah, it is. Uh, which is what we, we will argue until the water is, you know, up to our necks. And even then we'll keep going. And I have seen some, some other folks that have just laid it out very simply that if you were to spend money now and you were wrong and we spent all this money and we created problems, it would still be better than if there was real climate change and we all burned up. And, you know, so spend a little money and check out the problem. Right. Actually look at it like it's all of our problems. Well. And I, you might get an answer. Because one of the things you hear about the argument against uh, uh, global warming is that, well, the people go, well, you're assuming it's man-made. This could just be a natural cycle. And so the point being, okay, even if, even though all the evidence, again, shows this is completely related to human activity, mm-hmm. but let's, okay, but if, even, if I can get you to agree that the planet is warming, well, let's put aside why for just a second, but we can agree that the planet is warming. Again, to take what you were just saying, yeah. why not at least then investigate what we can do about it yeah. The, the why is going to be part of that solution, mm-hmm. but let's at least go down a road to look at, okay, if we can all agree that at least the freaking planet is warming, mm-hmm. can we at least go there? Now we can start looking at solutions. We can't even come to that agreement. We can't even come to that basic agreement. So we know that the reasoning behind this denial of it is money-based. It's a lot of money from mm-hmm. the oil companies and other things. But wrapping it in the idea of... Uh, uh, Religion is something the GOP is yeah. really good at. What happens now that the Pope has said, this is this is man's thing, this is the free will thing, and we're messing it up? Mm-hmm. He was basically calling false prophets, which is pretty serious language from a Pope. Which is what a banger prophet is, <laughs> yeah. or, or uh, parroted. Yeah, and, and it is. Uh, and it has been that way from both sides. They both go to... 
the worst possible scenario to try and get their point across instead of coming to the middle and saying, hey, we understand you guys want to make some money and we want to save the planet. What can we do together right. to do those? Well, interestingly enough, and this is where I think it's funny how um, tides turn and the people that are at the top of these uh, trends don't know what's going on underneath them. So you have the leadership of the GOP that is absolutely in lockstep on denying climate science, denying global warming, and completely ridiculing it regardless of whatever facts and science are thrown their way. And there was an interesting thing I read about. Um, Marco Rubio was at a town hall meeting in Iowa last week. Um, a kid named Dan Herrera stood up and asked him, he said, Pope Francis in the past couple of days says a lot about the environment. What environmental policies will you implement if you're president? Now, this seems like a softball question for any kind of candidate. Well, I'm glad you asked that. And it turns out that this this uh, kid, Herrera, 20-year-old kid, um, he's a member of the uh, uh, Augustana College Republicans. So when you hear that, you go, oh, well, this is a setup. You know, obviously he set him up so Rubio can then, you know, not, knock it out of the park of global warming's crap. But it turns out he then continued to question Rubio on his policies and said, well, no, but the science doesn't really back you up. And, be, and it turns out he's very much a believer in global warming and the fact that science bears this out. And so I thought it was interesting. He said, look, we all live here. I don't, want, I don't want to wake up every morning knowing that I'm wrapping my hands around my nieces and nephews' necks, choking them out of the exhaust that I'm emitting. This is a young college Republican mm -hmm. at a town hall meeting for a Republican presidential yep. candidate who is basically saying, like, you know, enough with the bullshit. Yeah. Uh, you, you, there's only so much shit you're going to feed me before we go. This is this is ridiculous. Um, you know, you can, and so it. I think that there is minute again with the younger ages on any issue. You're going to find this movement. The top, the leadership is calcified, and it just it's locked. It's only ever known this point of view, and so it's very difficult for it to move. And I think that I think there are people of a younger age who are more open to to accepting this as a reality it brings me some hope i know this is one incident right. anecdotal but i would say calcified and then to the right mm -hmm. because there is absolutely no problem shifting farther right with the with the yeah. leadership yeah they they can go further if it but it, it just goes back to the point of is the money actually taking the republicans away from their base right you know, uh, where they won't be able to win anything because they're coming out with all of these crazy right-wing things. And we've gone through this before that the most of us, we might have different ways of going about it, but we want the same things. We want a house. We want a little bit of the American dream. We want to know our kids are going to a good school. That brings the Republicans and the Democrats together, and really both parties have gone away from their bases. Uh, whereas, you know, the, the Obama thing, forcing health care, um, that wasn't actually necessary for the Democrats. They just wanted a better system. They didn't want a socialized system, they just wanted a better system. They realized there was some things going on. Same thing with Republicans. They want to get more religion or less abortion or all of those things. But if you went and talked to a real person, he would say, well, it would be okay as long as these conditions were met. There's always a middle ground when you talk to someone not in a political uh, arena. Right, but then, I mean, how does that explain the vast amount of people that vote on a single issue? 
that one person you talk to in the middle ground mm-hmm. is going to vote against his best interest because he doesn't want abortions. Yep. And that's what we're that's what we're talking about. It, it, it's no longer just Republican and Democrats in mm-hmm. Congress in Washington D.C. It's bled out. Yeah. And the people, you know, the people in general are voting on a single issue. That dude's black. Screw him. Mm-hmm. Not voting. Abortions. Not going to vote. That guy's Jewish. No way. Is that the skeptic in us? That's all we can we can hear out of all the noise is our one issue. Well, that guy's that guy's black. I don't want to. Or is it our educational you know. system? I I think that there's a huge component into um, the the defunding. You talk about you know defunding Planned Parenthood. How about the decades old program of defunding public education? Yeah. Um, across the board. I mean, uh, our educational system is dismal yeah, <laughs> overall. Is. Yeah. I mean, especially when you look at it at a global scale, and not just at test scores. I mean, test scores are one thing, and, and, and they have a use. They shouldn't be the be-all, you know, mm-hmm. end-all of how you judge an educational system. But, but when you look at, um, you know, outcomes, uh, our, our educational system, again, is, is failing uh, students um, in a lot of different ways. Um, but <clears throat> that doesn't mean we need to go run wholesale and just emulate what they do in Malaysia. Right. Uh, we have some great things that we do here. But they're being completely <clears throat> drowned out, I think, by the constant need for for uh, for money to run things. I mean, we've mm-hmm. just starved our educational system, and and so kids aren't getting a good education. Anymore. I'm going to read this, and you guys have seen. I posted this before, uh, but this was written in 1949. Heavy physical work, the care of home and children, petty quarrels with neighbors, films, football, beer, and above all, gambling filled up the horizon of their minds. To keep them in control was not difficult. All that was required of them was a primitive patriotism, which could be appealed to whenever it was necessary to make them accept longer working hours or shorter rations. And when they become discontented, as they sometimes did, their discontentment led nowhere, because being without general ideas, they could only focus it on petty, specific grievances. Orwell, 1984, written in 1949. Wow. Yeah. You couldn't describe what we have going on right now any better, really. Um, but if you tried to say, see, and it's interesting. So if you, you're right. That's eerily uh, prescient. And but if you were to say now that there's some master conspiracy mm-hmm. to dumb down the populace and keep them stupid, uh, so that y- you would be, you know, labeled a conspiracy theorist and completely marginalized. Um, and and I think that you know the <clears throat> the issue is I I don't believe that there's there is some you know master conspiracy the Illuminati that are pulling the strings. The, what makes that real is that there's a there's a whole variety of forces. We like to think of things in simple, easy to define this equals that fashion, and yet it, and and to talk about the failure of our educational system, we can't think. In complex ways, there's no gray. Yeah, and and so we're just two plus two equals four, and if you start throwing X and Ys in there, my, there our heads explode. And uh, so it's not that there is some master conspiracy in a group of a star chamber of of you know limited small group of people that are controlling events, but there are a number of factors and influences that are pushing us towards this um, 
this unfortunate reality that you just described from 1949. Um, and and we, we seem to be helpless See, you know, to I, turn it. I don't think it's a conspiracy, but I think uh, that the people um, that are, are running the country... Uh, or, or wish to run the country, or uh, are in the the uh, um, uh, you know catbird seat, you know to to fund or defund something, knows how that works. So it's being the process is being used. It's 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 someone's mind is telling them mm-hmm. I'm going to use this particular tactic to get these people to do what I need them to do and keep them kind of dumb, so they keep coming back. We see gerrymandering of of uh, uh, districts. We see. Um, the, the lack of public education and the dip in critical thinking skills, so it's been planned. I think um, it, well, it's I mean, a process. It, not one, it's not one group, one big Illuminati group. No, but it's a, it's a way to hold the people where you need them. Well, and like the, the creation of religion. Well, <laughs> that goes back prior to 1949, right? But uh, and the big lever that moves all this is fear. Yep. I mean, everything is, that's, you start with fear and then you can work from there. And, and, and that's, you're right, in the sense of you know what buttons to push to get a desired result, and it starts with fear. Mm-hmm. And lobbying, too, because it's these think tanks that come up with these ideas and then pass them along, along with political contributions to get them to take notice of their idea, and then it goes down the line all the way through until it's actually in our Howell School District, and they're fighting amongst themselves between Democrats <laughs> and Republicans, and, and nothing's getting done, and they can all point and say, look how awful it is. Mm-hmm. You know, because it all is still basically somebody buying the votes. And when you have somebody that's buying the votes, and you can look across the table and know that guy is bought, the system breaks down. You know, your vote is meaningless. All you're doing is countering out his, and if there's one more guy on that side, the, you lose. Was that the Koch brothers calling you? It was. Them, uh, we're <laughs> shutting down. <I> said, <laughs> okay. Oh, I didn't know if they were. That was your this wire is, transfer. This is John Boehner calling. He's now replaced you too. This <laughs> okay. is the ultra crying zone. <laughs> so, but the, okay, the part that resonates for me the most is wrapping people in patriotism. Oh, we got a guy. We got this guy, this Trump guy, that gets around this. Mm. He actively calls people un-American. He calls into question someone's military service, uh, their POW time. The dude can't lift it. McCain can't lift his arms anymore because of his, his, <laughs> he was captured. And, and this guy gets away with it. Trump gets away with it. What makes him and, like, Carson a, a guy who re- so different? A guy who received four draft deferments, mm-hmm. by the way, during the Vietnam era and was partying hard in Manhattan while his his uh, generation was off, you know, fighting. Well, except for W. Well, they, they probably hooked up and did some lines so. of coke off a of hooker butt. So <laughs> it's 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 one thing to it's it's amazing. You're right to 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 use that. Uh, how he's given a pass on this, and John Kerry, <laughs> John Kerry, a guy who serves not only honorably yeah. in combat, but is decorated valiantly for his service and save lives and save lives, and yeah. yet is you know we have this term now swift boating mm-hmm. um and it the same people that are like yeah carrie's a coward are the first ones to defend trump when he goes after mccain and you look and you go what the f what mm-hmm. how is that i don't get it and it happened strange. when he ran for president too uh, he, yeah. he used the same tactic and we swift all bought it, it. Yep, we all bought it oh well, that guy must not be good 
Um, I was saying, Jack Kane goes back to <laughs> Go. We need the rim shot. I'm here all once week. again. Oh got to get God. some sound effects in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I better call the local morning show and get some doodad wiggles and bang bangs. <laughs> but it all goes back to that all it takes is just a little bit of something to make someone believe in whatever they want. Um, so, and, and, that, and it goes to the patriotism or a single issue voter. And are we seeing uh, uh, the Donald falling apart? I think we're seeing the the, the inevitable decline. I you know, I don't know that there'll be an implosion. I'm not saying there won't be. He's <laughs> but smarter. If I could pick, <laughs> there would be. He's smarter. He'll yeah. just get out. He'll just get out. I think yeah. you're right. And he may maybe he'll run a third party campaign. It depends on how it ends for him. Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't end well, in other words, if there is an implosion. And somehow, then I could see him running as a third party. Just I to, thought he signed something you know. for the Republicans. That he no, he didn't sign it. I he thought. did. Yeah, oh, yeah. did he? Yeah. He signed okay. the pledge. Yeah. But like every other, there's the how many pledges have Republicans signed over the years? Yeah, the, the no, no tax, tax pledge. pledge. There's the, you know, the uh, Obamacare uh, pledge. Yeah, the Obamacare pledge. The I promise never to agree with the brown guy in the White House <laughs> pledge. <laughs> yeah. That one they kept. That one they kept. Almost, um, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I, but I think we're seeing the inevitable decline, and we talked about this before, that I, I, I think, you know, Trump has his time right now. He's, uh, it, it's it's inevitable that he cannot translate to a mainstream audience. He's, he's working the room hard on the right, and he's getting some, you know, great returns right now. But I think as he's, you know, as, as inevitably he starts to shift to the mainstream, and he's already doing that in the sense of, he starts to release specific proposals. So he yeah. just released his tax proposal, which will generously benefit the rich mm. by a mile. But, of mm. course, it's pitched to, yeah. oh, it's for the middle class and lower income voters. Mm. It's all going to benefit you. Don't look over here. Don't look at this. Just look at your small pennies that we're going to give you. You'll get some pennies. Don't worry. Don't worry about this pile of gold over here. This is not the gold you're looking for. See, that's, that has been their tactic ever since I remember, and it seems to work. Well, right. Maybe he you is know. a Republican. So, but as, <laughs> as specific proposals come out, this is him moving to the center, and this is where he'll lose. He'll lose his support because it's just, he's, he, he can't be center-based. I, I'm hoping, please. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out eventually. Um, the, like I said, it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Right, there's a couple things. I want to start uh, something new. Ooh. I've devised a, a, a gimmick. And, I thought this whole thing was a gimmick. Uh, oh, besides that, <laughs> okay. There's, this is a, this is a gimmick within a gimmick. It's a meta gimmick. And uh, I'm going to give you you two three headlines, and they could be from anywhere on the internet. And uh, since as Americans we have issues with discerning satire or not, and the reposting of uh, of items and taking as truth, like we were talking about before, has run rampant. So I want you to tell me, out of these three headlines I'm reading, which one is true. Ooh. All right. All right. First one. This one's give me. NASA. Obama using Mars water to give himself satanic power. All the free stuff in the world can't fix what ails Jeb. And finally, Boehner resignation leaves massive leadership vacuum in Congress intact. Okay, now let me ask you this. Just so first, let's tell you which one's real. Yeah, tell me okay. which one of those is real. Now, let me. Are any of those from the Onion? Yes. One. Okay. Of <laughs> <laughs> one of these is. 
I say it's three is real. See, three. You say Boehner resignation leaves a massive leadership vacuum in Congress intact yeah. is yes. real. Is yeah, I think that's the Onion headline. That has the the Onion sensibility to it. I'm going to say it's the second one. Second one, yeah. which is the Jeb Bush. The Jeb Bush. All the free stuff in the world yeah. can't fix what ails Jeb. And we're not dealing with the uh, uh, Obama using Mars water to give himself satanic power. Well, if that is true, I'd, I'd like to know what publication printed that. I'm assuming it's not the news of the world. But well, there's uh, news in the title. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're correct. Uh, the satanic power one is not true. Okay. It's from liberaldarkness.com, <laughs> which I find fun. Um, the uh, uh, Number three, Boehner resignation leaves a massive leadership vacuum in Congress intact. That is a, That is the onion. Oh, that is satire. Yes, meaning the John's pick for the yeah. Huff Post. All the free stuff in the world can't fix what ails Jeb, yeah. making that the real article. And what do you think about that? Hmm. All the free stuff in the world can't fix what ails Jeb. What free stuff are they speaking of? I believe uh, the free stuff they are referring to is uh, we don't want to give all the free stuff. We give the free stuff to the people so they vote for us. Yeah, because oh. he recently had his forty-seven percent. Uh, moment that was caught on tape, uh, talking about uh, people getting all that free stuff, um, uh, as, opposed to, yeah, as opposed to the you know oil companies that made his family mm-hmm. rich because they never <laughs> received any kind of corporate welfare anyway. No. Um, you know what I think you're seeing is that the, the, I think Jeb it represents the this bygone era of Republican you know leadership that it's like this nostalgic throwback that I, I just it's so out of touch um in in the sense out of touch of they can't even appeal to their own base <laughs> so they can't fire up the right he doesn't fire up the right you know very much i, I think he comes across as and i can't speak for somebody who's you know highly conservative but i get the sense and from what i've read they don't see him as authentic they yeah. don't see him as a genuine you know true dyed in the wool conservative and i don't think he i don't think he excites anyone in the middle either no. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's, I think that there's a lot that ebbs, uh, there's a lot that ails Jeb. Mm-hmm. And mostly it's his, his last name. I mean, I, it's, I, I know so many people that would never vote for another Bush. I right. mean, ever. Third and goes, a, yeah, and goes along with the Clintons as well, too. I know some that would, would happily put her in office, but I know some that were just like, yeah. Slick Willie's wife? Are you kidding? Me? <laughs> I know. Well, that would put Bill in office. Oh, I, are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, he'd he'd easily win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, uh, and I said this before that if if I was to put money down right this second, it's going to be Clinton versus Bush. Mm-hmm. I mean, and only because I have no faith in our political system whatsoever. Yeah. So that it will boil down mm-hmm. to the least palatable vanilla choices of just blandness mm-hmm. and both of them by the way represent the same thing it, just a different side of the same thing mm-hmm. in terms of you'll get the same corporate control of the political process mm-hmm. wall street will still have its say and its access nothing will be uh endangered by either a, a bush or a clinton uh resuming control in the white house i you know uh, who they don't want to see in the White House, obviously, is a Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. you know, on the Democratic side, and they certainly don't want to see someone like a Rand Paul. Yeah, uh, uh, they they would uh, they would crap their pants either way. Either one of those people getting into the White House would make them very very nervous. I think yeah. Rand's dropping out is, is uh, the the 
scuttlebutt. It's There's certainly in the water. Yeah, right now. it certainly isn't looking good for him. Um, you know, financially, I don't think he can keep it going because again, mm-hmm. he's uh, he he can't appeal to the base because you know. I think he refuses to lie. <laughs> um, not that I, not that I don't completely disagree with this guy on a lot of issues, if not every issue. Uh, <laughs> but I give him credit for you know at least being consistent with his message and not tailoring it to every audience he meets. Yeah. And that's a sure way to not win in a primary season. Yeah, we'll see about Bernie. Yeah, well, we'll see. I don't know about Bernie. Bernie is uh, he's gaining steam still. Yeah, you know everybody wants to count him out, but he is really got the most steady message across all of the candidates. Yep, um, Hillary has already changed. She is now against Keystone, and um, that has made all kinds of enemies for her. And, and <laughs> like she needed more, right? But I mean, it is all money, and I still I, I keep track of Bernie's donations, and they're going up still. Yeah. You know, the small donations monthly are still going up. And that's so, exactly how some guy named Barack Obama yeah. funded his first campaign. Well, I mean, a lot of you, you hear a lot of talk about uh, our democracy is defunct, mm-hmm. and um, you know we don't we, we truly live in a corporatocracy. And and, and I, I understand what they're saying, but you know the the levers of power are still intact. The machinery of the people being able to elect their representative it's still there. It still works. It's rusty. It needs some WD forty. Um, it's the the linkages are there. It's just we never use it. It's rare that we actually use it. And so, um, I think Bernie might represent a, a case where you know, in other words, the Koch brothers and all the corporate interests can throw all the money they want against this guy. But at the end of the day, if the majority of Americans see that as complete BS. And like what they're seeing from, they're going to vote for it. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how much. Yeah, you know. I think they're starting. I mean, uh, does uh, Scott Walker still get a signing bonus from from <laughs> from Team Coke? Because mm-hmm. if so, they've wasted a bunch of money on that first round draft pick. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. That Scott Walker was it was interesting. I don't it, it, he, talk about an implosion. That was an implosion. Right. I mean, where it just seemed like he just was getting started, and yeah. then it never went anywhere. And suddenly, I'm out. Forget it. This is hard. <laughs> yes, yes, it is hard. And he just got through that recall too in his own state. Barely. So why would you? I mean, why Bust. would you even put that guy up for president? You know, anecdotally, and the, this is all it's worth. I recently drove through Wisconsin and saw at least a dozen anti-Walker stickers and yard signs. Yeah. Very prominent. Too. Yeah, uh, people were very openly making sure that you could see See. (laughs) they were against Scott Walker. And again, it's just for whatever it's worth. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the, the whole, uh, what Scott Walker represents of, because it's a very polished presentation from Scott Walker. I mean, he, he, he comes across as, you know, um, button down, uh, you know, kind of a, I think um, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm an average guy who just wants to make the system work for you and just we get we just got to clear all this uh, all these cobwebs out of this bureaucracy and he says things that like yeah sure no one likes bureaucracy i get it but when your definition of bureaucracy is like a university education right, <laughs> right. you know we got to get this whole university education thing out of the way no one needs those you know, no one needs that um you know and we want to get rid of uh you know unions 
uh, across the board. Not only do we not, we, we, we don't just want to weaken them. We almost want to make them illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't even want, you know, so it all boils down to what the definition is. And, and most people don't bother to, to say it. he sounds good. He looks good. Oh, he's a competent administrator. I guess that's, that's the phrase I was coming across. That's how he presented himself. He's I am a competent administrator. To a team, he's middle management. Yeah. He looks like Perfect. middle management. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's, we never see the boss. We always see middle management. We see our supervisor. We see that. And that guy's telling him what to do. And he's handing down the orders. I'm like, okay, you know, this is coming from on top, but not me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got that's that's what he could always pass off when, in fact, he would have been on top. But he always looked like he just woke up to me. Yeah. <laughs> was like, hey, yeah. Hello, I'm here. Mm, oh, hold on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Scott Walker. Naked. Okay, so we've got about 10 minutes left. We're going to end the show with uh, Rob's book, Don't Start. I won't even show, the, show the, the microphone this time. But I want to take advantage of something that, that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't tell John we were going to do it this week, but I want to take advantage of our real live Jew. We have a real live Jew here? We, yep. Uh, we've kept him Jew sleeping. We'll wake him up. And are, we... <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I had a Pulp Fiction moment. I guess you did. Quentin Tarantino Berg came out. <laughs> and uh, so uh, John, of course, is our real live Jew. And I want to ask a world politics question to a real live Jew and get his take on it, and not okay. what the media is telling me okay. uh, Jews think. Yes. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, I thought there would be some brisket maybe to start things off. But... Well, if you do really good, yeah, okay. we'll throw you some wax. <laughs> okay. right. Seal style. All right. And uh, so uh, Russia's building up uh, uh, military presence in Syria. What do you think of that and what the response of Israel is going to be and what you wish it would be? Well, it's not just a response. It is the largest buildup of Soviet forces outside the Soviet Union since World War II. Think about that. This is the largest buildup of Soviet forces outside the Soviet Union since World War II. That is amazing to me. It's one of the most underreported stories, I think, out there. Yeah, it's, you see it in the news, but it, that, that is a Huge. No one's saying that, though. Yeah, well, but it's true. Uh, because I saw it on Facebook. Um, <laughs> you didn't get a, you know, right. a mental telegram. My, my friend Vladimir told me to share it. Um, <laughs> so it, it's it's a big game changer in, in Syria because it's a throwdown um, of monumental proportions. I mean, Putin is a serious, serious guy. And anyone that doesn't take him seriously is stupid. Uh, this is a this is a real, uh, you know, uh, interesting time. But to 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 relate that to what's going on in Israel, Israel, I think, is very uh, cognizant of the fact that <clears throat> they have a couple of bridges here. They've already somewhat burned their bridge to the U.S. in uh, the, the relationship between. Um, Netanyahu and, and Obama couldn't be possibly any worse. Right. Uh, the United States is, you know, Israel's greatest ally and financial supporter. Um, Israel doesn't exist without the United States. I mean, that's just a fact. I- Israel does not exist without the United States. And yet, Israel has spent pretty much the last 10 years, uh, you know, spitting in the face, and certainly the last six years, um, completely... Uh, burning those bridges to the United States. And so they've I think there's a sense I think there's a sense there of they can't burn any more bridges. So it'd be real easy to for them to be very bellicose towards the Soviets because they don't like uh, Assad either. And and 
Putin is in Syria to save Assad. He wants to keep Assad uh, there, keep him in power. That'll be his player in the Middle East. He wants his guy in the Middle East, and he sees Assad as his guy. He's not, he's not going to do business with ISIS because they're Muslim fundamentalists, and he's got big Muslim fundamentalist problems. So the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Assad's his guy. He wants his chip in the Middle East, and he's put a big, it's an all-in. I think on that. So the Israelis think they know they got to be they got to be really careful because they don't know what's going to happen because they burn their bridges. I think to a certain extent with the United States, the U.S. They don't know what the U.S. is going to do in terms of cutting a deal, um, and so they they need to be very very careful here how they proceed. So they can't come out, and I think. I think there's not much they can do because whatever it is, it's going to require the United States to be in their corner. Um, and I think that they see, I'm not so sure that they don't want Assad to stay. Uh, the Israelis, uh, as a political military, you know, I don't know about the, the, the public, but the, the, the political military leadership, they don't give two rats asses about Syrian civilians. I think what they do care about is that the, the political situation in Syria stabilize. And if, if, Putin can make it happen. I think they're perfectly fine with that. Um, so you and, think they would further defy, like Obama wants uh, Assad out. Right. You think they would further defy the U.S.? That's what I mean. They have and, a tightrope. I don't think they can. I don't think they can. Uh, so I think they, they're they going to have to play this game of letting Putin kind of do what he's going to do and maybe keep Assad in there. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing is, is that what, Assad, what Putin wants to do is he wants to just bomb everybody that's against Assad, and that includes the, the groups that we've armed and are training. Mm-hmm. So that's going to put him in direct conflict with us. So th- this, it's, a, it's a huge mess. The Israelis, they are in the middle of a minefield that um, they, they really have to be really careful. Mom and dad, they are the little kid in the crib, and mom and dad are having an all-out, drag-out fight right now. <laughs> and they don't know what, I mean, it's just like, just hunker down and kind of see where this all goes. I mean, I... I I think the Israelis, it's interesting because this has changed everything about the Iran deal. Uh, you know, the yeah. Israelis were so adamantly against this deal with Iran, which is, you know, going to happen now. Uh, the treaty is going to end up getting signed. The, the Congress will, you know, vote it down and then he'll, it'll, he'll override, they'll, he'll veto it. Obama will be there and they won't be able to override it and it'll become, it'll become fact. So... That it's how quickly in just a few weeks' time this move by the Russians, I think, has marginalized the whole issue with Iran because I think the Israelis, they're they're everywhere they look. But of course, this has been their whole history. Everywhere they look, they've got big problems on their borders. And so I don't know. It, it, it will be time will tell. Uh, you know, it begs the question: Why why uh, knowingly go in and, and burn your relationships with the sitting American president? Uh, because I think they were encouraged to do so by the Republicans. But, but, and, but we, we know that, that people that are not American have a better understanding of how American politics works than Americans. So <laughs> I, would yeah. send to, I would think... Well, that, because it tied into Israeli politics. The Israeli politics, you, t- you, you, think, you think our country is controlled by the right wing or the religious wing? Go to Israel. Okay, a country that is generally secular in nature. Okay, you you, you know the populace by by by, by uh, majority is secular, mm-hmm. and yet is completely controlled by the religious right wing. The po- the politics are not not secretly manipulated; they're openly manipulated by the the religious right wing in Israel. And so, for instance, the territories. So, building up these 
these settlements in the occupied territories where Palestinians live. These are territories that everybody agrees are going to have to go to the future state of Palestine. And yet they are building, they're not building tent cities, they're building cities with infrastructure. And like, and it's a big middle finger saying, we're going nowhere. And why are they doing this, by the way? You go, whoa, whoa. It's religion. This is mm-hmm. God gave us this land. Yeah. There's a whole strategy behind this. God gave us this land. We will populate it. We will yeah. occupy it. And therefore, there's no way you can kick us out. And they forced the government's hand here. So in a lot of ways, the, the right-wing religious fervor is, that is running Israeli politics um, it has led to this uh, disengagement, I think, with the United States to, to, to a degree never seen before. And much to their peril, in my personal opinion. But what do I know? Very interesting. All right. That was a great Ask a Real Jew segment. Yeah. We're keeping that one. We're keeping that one. Do I get the brisket? Later. Locks. You just went to Taco Bell. And hey, don't Jew me out of that brisket. <laughs> what up, bum? Hey. All right. Actually, your wife texted me and said, John went to Taco Bell. Don't give him anything extra. <laughs> okay. That's kosher, right? Right, it is. Uh, okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. The is arcing. there any crazy, not crazy people in the Middle East that could actually take power and settle things down over there? Oh, Egypt. <laughs> I mean, really, who who now, could really control that area? The Saudis are not crazy, but they're completely vile human beings, but not crazy. <laughs> but not crazy. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, there is that. Well, you know what? What's the Middle East look like today with Saddam Hussein still in charge of Iraq? I argue it looks like a lot safer and better place than it does right now. Yeah. Um, and that's just my opinion. Just throw that one out you know, in the wind. <laughs> because if Iraq is still there as a, as a functioning state, it's a counterbalance to Iran, and um, it's a counterbalance to Saudi Arabia. It, it, it geographically sits in between the two. Um, it... it, it there's many different things that, you, if you want to wind that thread back, uh, that you take back to 2003 and you go, the, the current issues in the Middle East are not just largely related to what happened uh, to the invasion of Iraq. They are almost entirely related to what right. happened in Iraq. And unluckily for you, I am wrapped in football and patriotism, and now <laughs> we have to fight. Okay. <laughs> Do I get brisket then? If you win. <laughs> this is America. You have to win for your brisket. All right, we're going to close it out today with uh, Rob Vidro and the, uh, what do you have for The us? Book of the Week. Uh, the Book of the Week is One Nation Under God by Kevin M. Cruz, How Corporate America Invented Christian America. No relation, Cruz, right? Uh, yeah, K-R-U-S-E. <laughs> um, and uh, my take on this book uh, is that it is just all vote hunting. Um, both parties do it. They have both picked their their special peoples that they want to entice each time throughout their political careers, and the right has basically chosen to go with corporate America and religious America. Um, the left, <laughs> the left, who knows? <laughs> but they do have some, I'm sure. Um, so, um, yeah, very interesting. You know, it's funny because evangelical vote for so long has, you know, the Republicans have been courting this vote. And I know that there's, a, a, you know, a lot of evangelicals who have been disillusioned every time. They'll, they feel like they win elections mm-hmm. for Republicans and yeah. then they're not taken seriously. The, their goals mm-hmm. of, um, 
you know, uh, turning back Roe versus Wade right. or, you know, uh, bringing prayer to schools, things, whatever, that are very, very important to them are never quite achieved or implemented, even though they rally the base. Rally their own religious right base right. in order to get those one, um, one subject elections won. Um, so my thought is, is that they've been doing this for a long, long time. This book kind of proves it for me that they placate in order to win elections and then um, keep that rhetoric alive but not really doing anything about it. Well, it's interesting because I'm looking at the back here and there's little blurbs here and one of them from Sean Lentz, great historical writer, says the claim that the U.S. was founded and then flourished as a Christian nation turns out to be an all-American fraud disseminated in the 1950s. Dupes. And goes on to say that this book does a great job of bringing insight to that. And it's interesting because, for instance, the phrase, one nation under God. When you tell people, when did under God get added uh, to the pledge? And it got added in the 1950s as a, as a reaction to McCarthyism and, and, and you know, the communist threat. Um, and so... A lot. It's. It, I think the '50s is almost that time period where you can say where that that's where this trend began. And you know, people always want to go back to the '50s. Yeah. You know, that's our our golden age. And a lot of things just weren't all that great then. Right. You know, they just weren't all that great. We had a lot of racism. We had um, rampant um, sexism. You know, you couldn't let your wife out of the house, and um, and if you did, you were a bad husband. Um, but we all want to go back to that, which brings me to an uh, uh, interview with Cruz where Colbert really took him to task about Reagan. This is Ted Cruz, by yeah, the way. Ted not Cruz. our author, not Kevin our author. Cruz. Uh, but took Ted Cruz to task about how they have changed the history of Reagan. Um, he mm -hmm. was a great leader for different reasons than they want to bring out. Uh, and his first thing, of course, was the tax cut and how it increased everything. And then Colbert had to bring him back and say, well, we went into a recession right after. Um, and they always just want to believe what's in their little bubble. And they bring out these things, and we all believe them. So um, it is one of those things that I just want people to go take a look at history a lot. Um, the things that our fathers, our grandfathers fought against, we're fighting again right now. Uh, and we don't even realize it. No. And we just don't even realize it. And that's how good the message portrayal has gotten. What is this history that you speak of? This it history. sounds like an interesting topic. It is. It is. It's, it's quite amazing. You can learn a wow. lot from it. You can not make the same mistakes twice. You can uh, choose to make the same mistakes twice if you like. Right. But it's kind of not the smart way to go. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of history reading when it comes to politics when I have a question on what way I want to go in today. Is what way did they go back in the 40s and the 50s? What were our leaders doing then? Interesting. One Nation Under God, a corporate America invented Christian America from Kevin Cruz. And people, of course, can get this at Blue Frog Books yes. online or at bluefrogbooksandmore.com. As of right this second, you could just go to thenocryzone.com, click on the link to... Uh, 92915 Rob's Book of the Week, and that will take you to Blue Frog Books. What? To get. You hacked into their website? Not only did I, I hack I think you just have a good producer. What the? It is up and it is live. Can you change my name on there? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I changed it to who we're replacing me with. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. Do they have brisket? 
They will when they get here. No. <laughs> we're going to reward them. Damn it. <laughs> All right. All right. That's it for this week. Um, as always, we're going to go up, uh, well, as starting, we're going to go up on Thursdays <laughs> around noon. Uh, download, put it on your iPods, do what, do what you have. Get the book of the week on One Nation Under God by Kevin M. Cruz at Blue Frog Books and More. Uh, for John Arking and Rob Vidro, I'm David Hayes. Later. I've been crying over you, crying over you, and you said so long, left me standing all alone, alone and crying, crying. Head to abnormalentertainment.com for all of our podcasts and blogs. Go to cinemaheadcheese.com for our movie reviews and news. Don't forget our YouTube channels, Abnormal Podcast and Cinema Head Cheese. Get us on Twitter, at Abnormal Podcast. And find all of our shows and Abnormal Entertainment on Facebook. You've been listening to the Abnormal Entertainment Network. <laughs>